Hey, my name is Dr. TK, and on this podcast show, we will uncover abundant tools to help you become the CEO of your business and life. I am a mom and wife who took the knowledge as a clinical psychologist working for a government agency and being a professor for over 18 years into building a multi six-figure mental health business and a seven-figure coaching business. Now listen, I will keep it all the way real. I will share my top secrets. This includes the good, the bad, and the ugly of what it takes to reach ultimate abundance. I believe that you can make an abundant living and become unapologetically successful, going after big business and lifestyle goals while also having fun and making a significant impact in your community and your home. So strap on your seatbelt and watch me challenge you to rise up to the person that you were meant to become. This is the Intentionally Abundant Podcast. Hey, welcome back to the Intentionally Abundant Business Podcast. And so um, this episode is definitely not planned. Um, So I just want to give you some context to this episode. I just finished responding back to a student about two times in our Facebook group for the Dope Therapist Academy for Private Practice. And um, the purpose of our Facebook group is to provide support for the students throughout the year. And especially because we have coaching calls pretty much twice a month, I want them to have this outlet so that they will be able to get support with their private practice, whether they are new to our cohort, um, meaning they just started uh, this January 2023, or they're an alumni and maybe they're stuck. Sometimes alumni, you know, disappear, they're working on their business or doing other things. But I always let alumni know, hey, you can always come back because you have alumni rights to get support related to the growth of your practice. So what I want to do is um, I'm going to exclude their name, of course, but I want to read you this question. And the reason why I'm doing this podcast episode that I said is not planned is because I spent a few moments, not a long time, curating a response to our students' um, question regarding the growth of their private practice, um, the continuity of their private practice, and more importantly, providing some uh, strategies related to marketing. So I thought that after I responded, I was going to go live. And then my husband was like, are you going to go live right now? Because it's time for our son to get out of school. And I said, actually, no, I'm just going to, you know, comment all these things back in the group. And then I'll let other people, of course, like chime in as well when they see it, because we were like pretty much commenting back and forth, like back to back, like five, 10 minutes apart from each other. So more people will probably see it by tomorrow. But after I posted it, I ran downstairs, texted my husband and said, I'm going to record this podcast episode before you get home. Can you run us? Give me some Starbucks. Um, But he should be gone for about 40 minutes. That's good enough for me to record this episode. And I want to read you her question and my responses. And of course, hear your thoughts about it. And hopefully this will be able to help someone with their marketing. Okay, so quick disclaimer, even though we're going to identify a certain ideal client that this clinician serves, you don't have to serve the same type of client for you to receive the coaching that I gave her in Facebook. And if you hear a ding, that just simply means that I'm currently on the Facebook platform as I'm recording this episode. And I want to make sure that I'm reading, you know, everything that we have wrote. So this student posted today, it is, what is it? February 1st, okay. So she said, I know I've been MIA. Tomorrow will officially be a year since I opened up my private practice and only accepting private pay. 
Honestly, if I was not contracting for other agencies, I would have to close up shop. Any advice in regards to the process and duration? I do not want to take insurance, but I need a better way to reel in clients. Feels like, an, um, and she says social media, I'm thinking for SM, feels like another job. So initially when I saw this, the coaching part of me is asking more clarity questions. And you want to do this anytime that you give anyone feedback because you want to make sure that you have the full picture as much as possible before you start providing strategies, especially because this is not live. Okay. So I first commented back and said, glad to hear from you because I know who this clinician is. I remember seeing her name on pretty much every single coaching call in 2021. So I said, glad to hear from you. We would love to help like we, meaning the community, let's hot seat practice stagnation. And what I mean by practice stagnation is it sounds like she's stuck, right? So number one, please describe to the group, um, but this was more in shorthand, right? Who is your ideal client? Because if she's talking about reeling in clients, we need to know who is your client because some other clinicians in our program may also serve this group of clients and they can also share what they have done, okay? Number two, I put in quotes, what have you tried and the outcome? So this is very similar to when we get a therapy client. If a client says that they've been in treatment before and it didn't work or it worked for a little bit and then it doesn't anymore or I'm stuck, whatever the case may be, we want to have a thorough understanding of what have they tried? How did they try it? How long did you try it? And at every phase of you trying, what happened? Number three, the third question I asked her, because I wanted everything, right? Because we're not talking on a coaching call. Number three, also respond with frequency and length of time and outcome measurements for receiving new clients so we can have a better understanding of where you are. And what I mean by that question is, if you say that you're marketing In one particular way, how long have you been doing it and how many times have you tried it and where? Because where could make a big difference when you're marketing to your population. Number four, when did you notice a slowdown as well? And I'm saying that because in our community, we've had about three conversations at this point since 2020 and clinicians have seen a decrease in the amount of referrals, let alone private pay. First, when most states started opening back up that were closed after the pandemic. And then, of course, the regular drop during the summer and the fall season for the holidays. But in 2022, there was another beast called inflation. And this is what we've talked about on our coaching calls. But unfortunately, sometimes what happens is that some of our alumni, you know, they're in a very good space when they are done with maybe their cohort or one more. So sometimes they may not go and even watch the replays. And I would say this to any alumni that's listening, including this clinician, you definitely want to check out the Q&A portal. The Q&A portal was structured very differently starting in April of 2022 than what it was in 2019 to April of 2022. And what I mean is when you log into the Q&A portal that's separate from the DTA course portal is that every call is labeled. So you may see a call that says, inflation. Yo, that's a call that probably everybody needs to watch because even though you weren't there or even if you were there, this is a topic that's going to be around for a minute. 
the inflation rates are not going down by March. Okay. That's not how the market works. Okay. So that was my question to this clinician. So her response was as follows. Um, her ideal client is athletes right now, any athlete, she puts in parentheses. Number two, I sent flyers to colleges. So remember, she's answering the questions of how she was getting referrals or seeking out referrals. So I sent flyers to colleges and physical therapist offices, no response. So I'm going to insert some coaching as I go along. And then I'm going to give you the full response that I gave her after. When I see number one, ideal client is adult athletes. My first concern, I'm guessing adult but she's mentioning college. I'm guessing that means college adults like 18 and over. I don't deem 18 as even an adult, but we know legally they're an adult, right? Um, but what I'm getting to is sometimes these referrals may not come from the adult themselves, okay? So when I hear adult athletes, that's not enough information for me to understand what type of athlete does she serve? So beyond age, does she serve men or women or both? Because that can matter depending on how they show up on the court. Also, athletes, are we talking about two-year colleges, four-year colleges, or it doesn't matter? Because that is a difference with mental health issues that they may have considering the pressures of the different levels of schools. I'm thinking about off the top of my head, basketball. Even football, you have the different levels of colleges that comes with added pressure for winning, right? And money, okay? And if attention is somewhere else at these schools, they are not on mental health, unfortunately, until something bad happens. I'm being all the way real, okay? So I want a better description of what does this clinician mean as an adult athlete? And I'm gonna go into that when you hear my responses. Number two, my red flag or concern with this response is I sent uh, flyers to colleges. Well, one, are the colleges opening up your emails that come from an external email? And are they opening up emails from somebody they don't know? Same thing for therapist offices. Now, this is the trickery. I have a full-fledged office address. It's never changed from when I first opened up my practice. However, your girl ain't been there for two years. So if somebody doesn't know that, they're going to just start mailing stuff to my office. I mean, we literally don't go to my office, but maybe once a month because I don't have checks being mailed to my office like that frequently because it's either direct deposit through Stripe or if I'm working with a contracted agency, we get paid like every 60 days. So I'm not in a rush to get there. Everything else comes via email. So to this clinician, I want them to think about deliverability, how can we track if these emails are open? Because if they're sent from like a Gmail account, but it's a professional URL, we can't track to see in a Gmail account if somebody opened our email. So even though she may have, because I also didn't see the frequency, but let's just say that this clinician said, you know what? I have been sending flyers once a month to two different colleges a different month. Now that would be qualified as a, a more detailed answer that I was looking for in terms of their efforts, because sometimes on a business side or referral side, we're looking at who contacted us and we're looking at that in terms of what I call conversion, meaning people who turned out to actually be a referral or a prospective client or opportunity. But how many times have we reached out to a variety of, 
of locations and people and organizations to actually measure the success of conversion. I hope that that makes sense. Okay. So let me keep going with um, her response. So she mentioned that she's um, been on psychology today, one referral every other month. So then I would turn the attention to, okay, how are we showing up with everything I just said, even related to the ideal client? How are we showing up on these directories? And that's going to be more apparent in my responses with what this clinician can do to audit how they show up online as of right now so that they can even see what may be a potential disconnect to their clients. Because again, let's be real, a lot of clinicians do not update their directory at all for like two, three years, especially if you haven't changed your avatar. And even if you refine your avatar, your ideal client, most clinicians will go on there, update a checkbox, but they usually don't remove anything or update the messaging, okay? So this clinician says, I see clients from a group practice, no specification, mainly EAP. So that just means that they're getting clients because they accept insurance. Those who have reached out to use insurance, I funnel through their typically no more than six sessions or until off season. And I'm guessing she's meaning the athletes if they funnel through the EAP, right? So she said there was never a pickup. So what's really missing from this is frequency, how many? If we are tracking referrals, you got to know your numbers. If you said you've been marketing for six months, well, tell me how you marketed in those six months. This is for anybody in my program, not just this one person, but I'm going to do this clinician a favor and low-key give her one-on-one coaching via the podcast and in the Facebook group, because this is even more extensive than what I can type out or talk text out on my phone, because I have fun doing this. Like, let's go. Where you at on the next coaching call? Let's talk. You know, I get excited when we can help somebody elevate. You know, so that was their response. So now I'm going to go into the full fledged five step plus a bonus suggestions that I gave this clinician. Okay, so I said suggestions listed below and I had to type this out on my notepad on my phone before I (laughs) uploaded it to Facebook. because I'm like, let me make sure this even sound okay. So number one, I'm just going to shoot through these and just read what I said. So number one, think about and make a list of anyone outside of the actual schools that would have contact with these athletes. I served young athletes as well in the beginning of my private practice years and never was I ever referred by the school themselves. They saw me due to anxiety that showed up on the court, but the referrals came from the family, typically the mothers, churches, mentors, etc. What I'm saying with number one, reach out to people that breathe on the athlete because more than likely they're not referring themselves. Number two, Also keep in mind that these young men and women have different identities outside of the school. Think about where else they show up. Sometimes they may not want to be identified as seeking mental health while in the same environment of playing sports. It can bring up shame and embarrassment on another level being an athlete per the report of my past clients. And they were all young black men that played basketball, okay, with anxiety, I put, unfortunately, um, just speaking about my past clients, they did not come to treatment on their own until after they've had multiple, not one, panic attacks that ended them up in the ER. And at that point, then the family and the coach said, yo, you may want to go talk to somebody and figure this out because it's impacting your performance. Okay. Number three. 
If you do not have the following that I'm about to mention already, I would encourage you to create videos on your website and honestly everywhere beyond social media, okay, for marketing to talk directly to these young men and women. If they are young, they relate more to videos, not words. They're not looking nowhere on Google. They're not looking on psychology today. They're not trying to find mental health videos on YouTube. They not looking. Okay. So we have to be very specific with our words that we're putting in the video and in the copy to make sure that whatever they're searching, this is going to cross relate. Right. So for example, this is like total opposite, but most of my content, even on Instagram and granted, I like Instagram, right? So I may be abnormal when it comes down to maybe some of my therapist colleagues, like they may not like it. I actually like it. Why? Because I was doing Instagram before it became a business platform when it was just fun to create a filter. So I fell in love with it when they first came out with it with iPhone only. That's how long I've been part of Instagram. Okay. I just have had like three different profiles um, at certain points. Okay. So with that said, Instagram and other social media platforms now have SEO built inside of it. So what happens is if you're using the right language, if you're using the right words in your video and or hashtags, whatever your other pe- your clients are searching online, it's going to cross reference, right? So example I was giving is when I'm talking to therapists, if we're talking about business coaching, most of my posts are about what therapists desire, the other side, the framework in DTA, because that's going to be like one of my other points that I'll get to in a moment. But you want to know as a business owner, if you have a product or service that you're offering, how do you get your clients from A to B? The B is the outcome. So what will these athletes be able to do once they solve whatever problem they're presenting with? And that's why I say it with the response that the student had gave me, Ideal client is adult athletes. That's too broad. And I'm sure they have a better description than that. But it was probably just quickly on their phone or response because, you know, I responded very quickly to their original question. But I'm asking this clinician and anybody else who's stuck with defining their avatar. Adult athletes can be grown as men, excuse my language, that are 40, 50 years old playing at the park. You know what I'm saying? And so like, are they identifying themselves as an adult athlete or are they saying that they're NCAA second year athlete. You know what I'm saying? So what words are they using? So with the website and the marketing and social media, if they are young, they relate more to videos, not words. These are not individuals that are going to find our social media platforms and follow us either. We have to go to where they are. So determine and just make a list of all the places that they would hang out at. And I will be honest, like, Talk to any kid that you know that's 18 or 19 and just ask them what they do for fun. Don't ask them, how do they get help? Hell, they don't know. They ain't got no help. Ask them, like, what do they do beyond practice and playing? And that's how you'll get an idea of what where they are, right? So determine all the places that they will go hang out at and who they're around. Those are the people and environments that you want to connect to, hence Going back to this clinician's response of she's done EAP indirectly getting some of these clients, but then they end up turning out, it sounds like, to be insurance clients, so she doesn't see them. And then she's tried to reach out to colleges and actual therapist offices, but that's that's not enough. And some therapists, if that's their client, they're not going to refer you their client, right? Especially private pay. And I did want to say that because 
I didn't put that in the post, but I'm just now thinking about it. I remember at one point I had a clinician that was subletting for me and it was very off-putting, but I still learned sublet. Like I'm not tripping. I just like took it like a grain of salt. And she said she was all private pay. We were a mixture of group practice for insurance and private pay. And she said, oh, I serve transitional age youth. Now keep in mind, she knows I serve the same population in my group practice, like three therapists do it. So she said, I serve the Tay population. So if you have any transitional age youth that you'd like to refer and they're private pay, I would love to take them. And I'm thinking to myself, why would I refer you private pay clients when we can see them, <laughs> right? So think about that when you're trying to reach out to other therapists. If you are pretty much poaching them and it sounds like you're just wanting their referrals versus maybe you reach out to people who serve family, who serve couples, who serve families, and they may have adult children who play sports. That's different because now you're not in conflict with their practice unless they're overly full, right? And they need to refer out, okay? So number four, remember you don't have to talk directly to the client in order to reach the client. Hmm. If I served this audience right now, again, I would speak to College professors, churches, parks, recreational play. Sometimes, you know, they just be hanging out because athletes, even though they may not supposed to per their coach's instructions not to get hurt. Sometimes these athletes do play outside of the regular season just to have fun. Maybe we need to address talking to the parents of the children in these colleges. And sometimes when you make a relationship with one group of parents, they'll just make referrals as they come. Lastly, number five, you also, and I'm talking directly to this clinician in the group, you also want to be more clear about your messaging with who you serve. Because they say social media feels like a full-time job. Athletes is not specific enough. You do not have to have a long list of diagnoses or symptoms, but you do want to use the DTA framework in the portal to explain to your ideal client in a video online or when you are talking to a group of people, even though they may take the information and share it to the real ideal client, right? How you can help their particular problem as being that specific athlete. Remember, they may not initially come in for mental health, meaning they aren't even identifying Whatever you do to help them serve, whatever the problem is, and I'm saying whatever like that because I don't have a clear description of the ideal avatar outside of a title, right? That's just like somebody saying, I serve therapists. Well, what kind of therapist do you serve in therapy services? I mean, we got different titles. We got different um, licensure levels, different boards, different specialties, different age groups, ethnicities. I mean, it's a lot of categories. So think about athletes the same way. So I'm referring this clinician to go back to look at the DTA framework lesson in Blueprint um, because I specifically state if you're able to better explain who your ideal client is, then you can also be able to help them better, articulate your messaging better. And because they may not come in directly for mental health, instead they may come in or they may, somebody may refer them because they don't have the performance on the court or the field or in the pool or whatever athlete we're talking about that they would like. And this is where I would say to this clinician, if you did have to identify particular sporting categories, what sports do you want 
to target. It doesn't mean that you don't target them all. You may target diagnoses, but you have to use language that they're identifying as, not just the title of an athlete. Okay. Because in colleges, I'm thinking about a community college for that matter. There's what's called, what is it? Intramural sports. And then there's actually the team, but both of them are considered athletes depending on who you talk to. Also, another suggestion is talk about how you, you know, talk about their performance and how their mental health impacts their performance in your messaging during marketing and show up consistently beyond social media. For example, talk to other college professors outside of psychology. Some schools even have the athletes going into particular clusters inside of classrooms all together so that they can help each other out. Figure out how they cluster together. You may want to reach out to the academic counselors because they know all of this because they're helping them pick their classes with the actual coaches. Okay. Also, schools have a lot on their plate. Let's not negate what's obvious when we all went to college. Schools have a lot on their plate. And they may not even deem mental health as a high priority, even though they're aware of it, unless there's an emergency, okay? So the last thing I shared with this clinician is, P.S., remember that you always have alumni access, and let me just explain that to our listeners on the podcast. If somebody pays in full, they have unlimited access to anything related to DTA in the portal, as long as, like, you know, what updates and stuff like that. If they're on a payment plan, And the payment plan is not a membership plan. A payment plan is you sign a contract stating that you would do a certain amount of months of a particular payment to pay your program off in full once that payment agreement has been reached, okay? So during any time, if that student defaults in payment, they're non-responsive and they're not paying, they lose all ability to come back to any future cohorts, let alone, um, you know, receiving the information in the portals, okay? So I'm letting this student know They have unlimited access for alumni. They're welcome to come back to future coaching calls and they come at a great time because we just started our cohort for 2023. I told this clinician we meet in two weeks. Um, We just met on this Monday. If they're not receiving reminders, so I just want to speak this out loud if we have any DTA alumni that are feeling like, dang, like I need some help. Like, don't forget that you made an investment to get help. Don't feel shameful that you disappeared and now you need help. It is good. This is why we created the program the way that we did, okay? So if for whatever reason you're not receiving reminder emails, odds are you potentially unsubscribed to our email list. Maybe because you accidentally signed up for a bootcamp or something, then you went into those launch emails with a different email address that's not linked to DTA because it happens. And we look at it as a new prospective student because we're not scouring the list looking for every alumni's name. That's hundreds of names. So we remove our students with the identified email address from those launch emails, but people who are not identified as a current DTA student, sometimes that's why some of our students get those emails. They are in our system like two to three times. And then unfortunately, they end up unsubscribing from the wrong list because they got on the wrong list. So let me actually pause for a moment. I'm going to Um, Let me refresh my page because as you can hear in the ding, there was a response from the student, I believe. Okay, so she just said thank you with three exclamation marks. 
Hello. <laughs> so I'm going to let her know right now, once I wrap up this episode, that I made a full podcast episode for her. And I'm going to let her know that I believe that she has extensively helped other clinicians in our program, other alumni that have been part of our program. And I am welcoming her back to the community. Hello. Welcome back to DTA. All right. So that's a wrap of what I wanted to include in this podcast episode. I really hope that you've enjoyed this uh, pop-up style recording, but I know that I still gave you a wealth of nuggets to take away. If you want to do that extra step, please take a snapshot of this podcast. Tag me on Instagram. Let me know your biggest takeaway. I would love to give you a shout out too with your business. I just need you to tag me so I can go check you out. Make sure now your page is open because if it's private, your girl ain't got time to wait around for you to, you know, um, accept my ability to see your page. Okay. So, um, let me know what was your biggest takeaway. And I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave me a five star review and let me know what are your thoughts about our podcast of becoming an intentional, abundant CEO of your business and your life. I will see you in the next episode. Bye. Listen, I am over here dancing. You just finished another epic episode of the Intentionally Abundant Podcast. Now, I know that flew by way too fast. So if you want more resources, head over to drtk.com forward slash link for additional abundant resources. Now, until the next episode, live intentionally abundant.